Hello there, superstars. His name is Aaron, and he's going to say Mamma Mia three times this episode. Uh, didn't you do that? Okay, whatever. His name's Tommy, and he can produce mind-boggling effects. And this is the Super Pot Saga. Welcome again. This, like I said just a few seconds ago, this is the Super Pod Saga. It is the podcast where Aaron and I bring a different topic to to the podcast every week, and we talk about it until there's nothing left to say about it. Until we've used every word in the English language to discuss the topic. And wait, didn't didn't you use the Mamma Mia thing yes, in the last episode? I did, and you joke? didn't do it. You didn't say Mamma Mia three times in the episode, so I'm going to keep saying it until you do it. Okay, I'll do it this time. <laughs> we are we are not alone today joining in on this chaos. Surely confused is Phil from the Deleted Saves podcast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Phil. Thank you. Hi, Aaron, and hi, Tommy. It's good to be here. Hello. Yeah. Um, Phil, why don't you tell us about about yourself, about the Deleted Saves podcast? What What video games do you like? All right. Well, I would love to tell your massive audience out there about the deleted saves podcast or deleted saves i'm phil i do a very short form podcast in which somewhere between five and 20 minutes i talk to you guys about the games that really stuck with me long after i stopped playing them and deleted the save files because i have a habit of doing that thus the name of the show um also because there's only so long I can talk about it before I think I've said everything I have to say. It's not just about games. It's my thoughts. It's my opinions. It's a little bit of history. It's me ranting. It's me raving. And it's me just being me. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Where, where can people find the podcast or you on social media, the podcast on social media, all that good stuff? Okay. I am the worst person possible in social media, so I have limited ones. Uh, if you're looking for me, though, if you'd like to yell at me, if you don't like the fact that I said something about Xbox, uh, which <laughs> meant nothing at all, um, you can contact me at, at deleted saves on Twitter or deleted underscore saves underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, I do have a Patreon that is deleted saves podcast on Patreon. I'm at a whopping three patrons, which, to be honest with you, is more than I ever expected. Um, but I will take it, and I'm very, very happy to have those people who jumped in and helped out. And um, I'm on various people's discords. I don't have a discord of my own, unfortunately, because I'm already bad at managing the social media I have. But I am involved in many other people's discords, including the one here for Super Pod Saga. So if you ever want to come at me, here I am. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where, where can people find us, Aaron? Where can they find more Super Pod Saga? If they, I mean, if they want to, they don't have to, but uh, they can go to superpodsaga.com and they can find all of our, all of our episodes, our blog posts, because we like to write about random goofy things and our social medias and, uh, and even our, our Patreon as well, too. We have a, a whopping two patrons, whopping. which it's, it's, yeah, like, like Phil said, uh, it's more than I ever expected us to have, which is cool. Thank you for, for giving us money for talking about video games. Thank you. Yeah, thanks everyone. <laughs> but to to get to today's episode, because I'm sure everyone's super excited about that, we're going to be talking about arcades today. Yay! Yay! Arcades. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess to start, usually usually it's it's me and Aaron who start things off. But since we, I'm pretty sure, are going to have very similar experiences since we grew up in the same, basically the same hometown. I'd like Phil. 
what what are your like earliest arcade memories? Um, my earliest arcade memories. Uh, I've never been shy about telling uh, people where I'm from originally. Um, I am originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania, the home of the office, yeah, and Joe man. Biden apparently. Oh, didn't know um, that one. Yeah, apparently. Uh, again, until he was six, and I'm like, dude, uh, I don't know which coal miners you were talking to, but I, <laughs> when I was six, um, they were already pissed off, and it was over, and you were not a thing. But here we stand. Now. My arcades were, I see, I didn't really come into the arcades except kind of stumbling through. Uh, we had several places in town, but they were always attached to other places. The first big one was Top Dog, which was Top our Dog. arcade deluxe back in the day. It was a terrible, terrible <laughs> restaurant attached to a shitload of arcade games and even things like skee-ball pinball and all that stuff like that and of course there was eventually the arcade at the mall which i've talked about before on my show being the viewmont mall in dixon city pennsylvania yes it is a fly spec no i'm not going to stop bashing it <laughs> um but it's had a small one and there are various other small arcades through the region until they eventually all died off so that is kind of where I started, and a lot of those arcade games were full of, because it was the late 80s and early 90s when I started going to them, exactly things like you might expect. Oh. Arkanoid, Centipede, Pac-Man, all those little classics that were even by that point um, loaded with cigarette burns and didn't work half, properly half the time. So, You... You lived my arcade dream. You you got to experience the arcades that like I always saw on TV and movies and stuff. Um, Aaron and I grew up in the 90s in a very, very rural part of the Midwest. Like The nearest mall is a 45-minute or hour-plus drive away. So for mm -hmm. me, my first and only uh, arcade experiences for a long time was at the local Pizza Ranch, which is like a, a pizza hut for those of you not from the Midwest, but it's buffet style, so it's it's all buffet. But they had a they had an arcade with actual arcade machines and and that was like incredible. Was that the same for you, Aaron? Yeah. It was like the, the only arcade memories I have are yeah, the ones in the mall in like Sioux City. Because that was like that was like our Las Vegas basically. Yeah, seriously. In the Midwest <laughs> Iowa mid, fuck not Iowa, Iowa. Iowa Midwest Iowa. <laughs> Mamma mia. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, yeah. we. What was it in the mall? It was like Alibaba's Palace or some shit. I don't, I don't remember and... going to the arcades in the mall. I don't know why. Maybe... Man, I missed out. We went there all the time. Like, I, I remember my mom and my sister, they would go and do their stuff and, like, get clothes and shit. And it'd just be like, just dump me and, like, the little brother here and we'll play, we'll play Soul Calibur, like, three nice. for, like, four hours. I don't give a shit. Um, but then... Yeah, they had all sorts of cool stuff. Soul Calibur, I, I I wish I had ever gotten a chance to play in, like, a standalone, like, mom-and-pop arcade because, yep. like, I never got to play any, uh, I guess, like, like genuine SNK, like, Neo Geo arcade cabinets because that would have been pretty sweet or, like, a uh, a genuine, um, what you call, like, like, like a shmup, like a shoot 'em up in an mm -hmm. arcade because that would have been awesome as well, too, but... Yeah, oh, whenever I saw those, uh, they looked terrifying to me. I was like, I don't know what's happening on this screen. This is too much for my tiny child eyes. <laughs> I only want one bullet, please. <laughs> Just one yeah. bullet at a time. That's all I can handle. I, yeah, the, those shrubs could get crazy. I will, I'll be honest with you. I'll talk a little bit about them, but oh, yeah. they got crazy. Um, I remember, gosh, I 
I don't even I just saw it one time at the pizza ranch. It was like a table and it had like a plastic dome over it and inside was a was a can, like a dented can, and there were goals on each side and you had your little fake laser guns and you could shoot at the can and the laser would like make the bottom of the thing come up and make it go towards the other person's goal. It was like five dollars to play, but so I never played it, but I was like, This is the epitome of technology. I don't know how this is possible. I don't know what in the fuck you're talking about. I know. Been to, like, I saw it once. Ranch, but I don't know what in the fuck you're talking about. All I remember is like, <laughs> there was that one, there's that one small room in the pizza yeah, ranch. The tiniest closet the, uh, you could imagine. I forgot yeah, to say they had, they had the, that one like Fast and the Furious game that you always see at Walmarts that always <laughs> have like the really bad burnt in CRT screens. Um, they had, of course, Pac-Man, because you can't have an arcade without Pac-Man. Yes. Um, and then they had just, like, a bunch of those uh, those machines you put a quarter in, and it'll eventually you like a, it'll give you, like, a bouncy ball or, like, really, really <laughs> yes. old gum. Stickers. Or, like, <laughs> you had stickers or, or those ta- the, per- the temporary tattoos. Oh, man. I got, oh, yeah. I got a – they had a sticker with rock bands. You could get a rock band sticker, and mine said Tool, and I had no idea – that that was a band at the time because i was a little child i was like why does this just say the word tool oh oh my god thank god you at that time you did not know yeah right it's Um, adorable so what 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 are your favorite let's talk about actual games at arcades what what games stood out to you as your favorite to play at arcades let's start with you phil well, when I actually got started, the first thing I actually played that I liked in arcades, strangely enough, was pinball. Yes. yes. I actually I actually started out with a number of pinball games as we had them. I Most of them, I think, were tied to some sort of uh, whatever, you know, hot property movie was there. Mm-hmm. And I'm an old man, so I may, be, I may be mentioning things you guys may not be aware of. Um, I know for a while, I think they had a couple based on, like, old 70s rock bands. Um the ones I remember, there was one based on Elvira, of all things. <laughs> oh, hell um, yeah. <laughs> her and her properties and her movies, which, you know, unfortunately, I've kind of always had a thing for Elvira, so I was drawn right to that pretty early on. <laughs> um, there it's was the... the yep. Yeah. It, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> My first celebrity crush. Um, there was always, what was it, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, yeah. Um, hell yeah. There was a yeah, pinball machine for that. There was also... What the hell else? There's some real but friggin' movie from the ladies of early nineties, was it, that was real popular in pinball. Rambo. Um Yeah, yeah, I think there was that. Um a lot of them it's like, you know, you saw they were of course they just kind of slapped, you know, poorly made posters for you know stills from the movie all over the side and off oh, you yeah. went. And it was it's a pinball machine for God's sake, so what do you expect's gonna be on there? But um yeah, a lot of movie tie-in properties, some based on, like I said, 70s rock bands, or sometimes just old machines. Um, Ski Ball was always a good one for the arcades. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I know there was one that was popular. It was um, one of those basketball games where you just, like, kind of, oh, yeah. they dump, like, six or seven mini basketballs on. You have to make as many hoops as you can for tickets in, like, a minute or less. Um, there was one real strange one that we had at Top Dog, which was, I think it was supposed to be based entirely on a Japanese pseudo beat-em-up. I'm not really sure. It's, um, I forget the character's exact name. I can, I can look at him. He looks like this kind of like Ultraman ripoff with oh, big, nice. 
boxing gloves on, um, kind of in the idea of One Punch Man before One Punch Man was a thing. But the whole thing is just a, a pad would come down, this boxing pad you had to put on a glove and just hit the damn thing as hard as you could. It was similar to those ideas where, you know, if you go to like a, a carnival and you pick up a hammer and you hit it for like the strength test, you ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And you just had to hit that, and the on-screen character, of course, knock out some kind of mutant or monster or something like that. And I did okay at it for a while. Uh, one day I did go, and there was this. I learned a lesson about don't upset small, thin dudes, because <laughs> oh, there was this, there was this guy. Now at the time I was doing this, I was probably about twelve or thirteen, but there was this guy that was obviously like a haggard, like twenty-five or twenty-six. <laughs> like hard drinking life, like long scraggly hair. I mean, I have long hair too, but so I can't judge. But he was like really like you know ratty. Didn't take care of his beard. Looks like he spent half the time in the bar. And I know exactly he didn't even bother describing. Exactly. Yeah, he just he <laughs> didn't even bother putting on the glove. He just walked up to this thing with his bare fist and smashed it repeatedly. He was oh. like getting maximum score to excess, and eventually he broke it. Whoa. And the owners Jeez. had to ask him to leave, and he was like, fuck you, man. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this guy has anger issues, and they found the perfect game for him. Holy cow. <laughs> He's like, yeah, whatever, it, man. I'm just going to yeah, go home was, and eat an entire bag of pizza rolls or something. Yeah, pizza rolls, and I'm going to put down that 24-pack I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm, I'm so happy you brought up pinball machines. I feel like pinball games are the most misunderstood arcade game among like people who don't go to arcades and i was i was one of them for the longest time i thought it was like you just keep hitting the ball to make sure it doesn't go down the middle and that's it and then like as i got older i realized wait a minute there's actual mechanics and like strategies and things and i was like oh these are actually incredible and unique Mm -hmm. oh absolutely there's a whole skill set to it i mean you could just kind of hit the buttons and make sure the paddle it doesn't go down the hole but you can also do if you can like tap it a certain way or hold the ball and flick it off you can actually get it to curve and hook or go to specific areas so it was you know again it's like that who song pinball wizard you know you really do kind of have to learn how to manipulate this thing to get the best score you possibly can yes i uh recently went to a beercade which we'll talk about those later i'm sure but it had an arcade game that was a western theme one and you would pick up bounties essentially by hitting certain targets and then the the whole layout would change depending on which bounty you picked and then if you completed that then you could pick up other ones and that's how you raise your score was picking up bounties and completing them and i was like this is a pinball game and yet i'm doing western stuff heck yeah that's cool nice remember for uh for one of uh tristan my 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 10 year old for his birthday i think like last year or like the year before we went to um I guess I guess I kind of lied when I said I'd never been to a mom and pop arcade because I have, but it was pretty recent. It was in one of the O towns down this way in Iowa. Mm-hmm. It wasn't odd. It wasn't Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa. I think it was Oskaloosa or some stupid goofy Sounds ass right. n- some some <laughs> Doctor Seuss name. Um, but yeah, we went to an arcade there, and yeah, they had this one section of the room entirely for pinball, and they had this one sweet one for Jurassic Park. Yes, and um, whenever you got like certain number of points you know the dinosaur would roar and there were like little <laughs> dinosaur tails and and shit inside of the uh the, the um i guess like the machine and everything and that was cool they had one for kiss the band kiss that's kind of mm-hmm. cool heck yeah <laughs> and nice uh, i think we also had a terminator 2 one which was pretty sweet but 
Ah, uh, all light gun games. Holy yeah. shit, those are always yeah. so fun. Um, Time Crisis, and what is the other one? House of the Dead. House. Oh yeah, sorry, House, House of the, of the, the Dead. dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those ones are so good. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll we'll talk about House of the Dead and stuff like that too, because that was like one of the big things. Yeah, shoot off the screen to reload and all that stuff. Those are so good. Yeah, it was just um, that's yeah that's just like the best part of arcades is getting to actually physically do things that go with the games, whether it's driving or light guns. You can't get that anywhere else. I remember mm-hmm, there absolutely. being, what was it? I think it was at the, uh, not the Iowa State Fair, Adventureland. They had one that was, um, you drive like a jet ski or something, and I forget what the fuck that was called. It wasn't wasn't like wave race or anything like that but that that was also cool anyone oh, that like it? yeah you move on anyone that has like a like a vehicle that you have to like ride or drive like that's that's my shit all i'm t- i'm terrible at them but they're so fun <laughs> oh man oh sorry memory blast golden tea i loved golden tea that was the one that was at the bowling alley i was like we had a bowling alley but i don't think it had an arcade oh, yeah but it definitely had golden tea with the little white ball that you would spin yeah like a the mad little track ball Oh, <laughs> that thing had some like the perfect heft to it. I'm thir- sure it was just like a cue ball from the billiards games, but <laughs> I spun that thing like a madman. Mm-hmm. There was also a strange uh, fascination. I don't know if you guys ever saw them. Um, arcade games that are bowling games or golf games where you have to roll the little track ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never I've saw bowling, and actually, definitely golf. Well, the most ironic part I ever saw of this was one of the arcades, the one at our local bowling alley, which is called Idle Hour, um, had a bowling video game. And then you turn around and people are actually bowling. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, wait a second here. It's like that old Lewis Black line about the Starbucks across the street from the Starbucks, therefore causing a rift in time and space. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, again, bowling out a video game for a quarter or 50 cents, or I could go to 10 bucks for like an hour and actually bowl. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, 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 I'm just maybe I should go home because things are going to collapse any second. <laughs> oh, Speaking of, of games with uh, these, like the trackball, we were at a, uh, a Chuck E. Cheese again for Tristan's birthday, like forever ago, and um, they had a Super Monkey Ball machine where you use the trackball. Yeah, oh, wow. that was that was sweet. I'm a Super Monkey Ball junkie, and I'm Super Monkey junkie, and yeah, <laughs> you just you uh, steer them along with with the ball which is weird because normally maybe they make up for the fact that you can't like move the stage itself by having you roll the ball like that so i don't know oh is that how it, it it didn't feel like you were tilting the course you were actually just rolling the ball along the course like the course yeah. wasn't tilting weird i, I think so nice that's super then they, had, they had a flappy they had a flappy bird fucking arcade machine yep that's that's really? something i was gonna bring oh, up wow at uh at our local dave and busters which i haven't been to in a couple of years it's like 50% mobile games turned into uh, arcade games, and it just uh, makes me feel gross. Stop. Because I'm sure they're popular with the kids these days, but the kids need to experience Galaga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or Metal Slug, bro. Yeah. Get a Metal Slug machine. Metal Slug. And they're like, I want to oh, play Doodle that's Jump. That's also okay. <laughs> wow. I saw a doodle jump machine. Oh. I'm not making it up. You know, like they have that at Chuck E. Cheese yeah. as well, too. I believe you. I honestly believe you. The no, no I, I believe you too. I mean, it's just <laughs> holy shit. The the only saving grace of the Dave and Buster's arcade is they have a Guitar Hero machine, or they did the last yes. one I was there, and it was yes. based on Guitar Hero Three. So it was basically like 
<laughs> me just playing Guitar Hero 3 in front of a bunch of people and trying my best to show off. Oh, yeah, I think I, I saw one of those in passing one place. You know, the, the one that really, um, again, that was popular in the early 2000s was Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Which I've I had so so many friends who were like masters of that my wife actually also loved that game she she really did well on that one I never played it because I would watch people and go wow the orthopedists are gonna love you in about ten years <laughs> I blow that. out your knees your ankles and how did you get this injury were you just playing you know track as a kid no dance dance revolution I, holy I, shit the doctor's like nerd <laughs> you get loser out here, get out of here come back when you have a real injury. <laughs> exactly. I, I played Dance Dance Revolution for the first time a couple of months ago, and I picked like an easy song, and I couldn't even make it all the way through. I was dying. I'm not in shape or anything, so it's not like it's a big surprise. But I was just like, "This is this is awful. Why do people like this?" One of the uh, one of the, like the the goofiest things that I'll see at at arcades is like, what, I, mean, I, I guess like the only recent ones that I've been to are like that one mom and pop one and then like chuck e cheese and shit but like it's so weird when they have the um those one like little dumb machines where you like drop a coin and then it pushes the arm and then it pushes out more coins and then you just take those coins i don't know i, I don't like <laughs> oh, i know what you're talking yeah about. i've seen those i don't know what they're called i don't know now. what the hell they're called but yeah <laughs> they're stupid get them out of my arcades put a put a game in there god damn it i love claw machines too I, I know those are like more those gambling cool. than anything, but I love claw machines. Oh yeah, th those are awesome, but they're so fucking rigged. They really I know, are. Absolutely. It, oh, yeah. If if I mean if you watch them, you can actually see where they like the claw does not close properly. Yep. It's a rush. <laughs> it's a rush. I know it's broken, but it's a rush. <laughs> Unless you happen to like, you happen to get it underneath like the little tag or like underneath like an arm or something. Like it just yeah, just rig it yourself underneath their arm or their leg or something. Beat the system, Phil. Phil, I have a question for you. Since you you were more into the popular arcades, one one thing that I was like hear about arcades but never got to experience was almost like the community aspect of it, of like that being like a hangout place and and like uh, like with Mortal Kombat, just like having word spread around of like oh you you do this it's a fatality and like those kinds of rumors. Mm -hmm. Did you ever experience any of that stuff? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Um. I've talked about on my show recently because um, I'm I'm doing a period where I talk about my experiences in the arcade. Now I don't know in recent years um, because I know many of arcades have either disappeared entirely or they become very corporatized. But the smaller mom and pop places back in the day, it really was kind of a community. Um, there was, and it was came in a couple of eras. The first one was the beat 'em up. When that became popular, it was very, especially with popular properties, um, it was easy enough to have a whole bunch of people crowd around, lay down their quarters to be the next person. If you died, they would take your spot. Um, very soon after, it's when the beat em up got replaced by what I call the versus fighters. So, Street Fighter 2s, your Mortal Kombat, your Killer mm -hmm. Instinct, stuff like that. And yeah, when we would see that, it would exactly. People would be like, oh, okay, do this motion up, up, down, back, forth, hit all the high kicks together, and you'll get a fatality. It never worked. There was, <laughs> it, it was all trial and error. One guy in the arcade maybe knew like the how to get the fatality or how to you know, do the amazing multi-combo in Street Fighter and its various iterations. 
Um, so obviously that was a big part of the community. And, you know, it was weird because sometimes if someone came into the arcade who was not part of the community and tried to either have their fun or play, things could get a little hostile, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. The community was, was there, but it was very weird. Um, especially where I grew up, it was a majority, um, basically almost monotheistic, or monolithic, and monotheistic too, <laughs> um, majority Caucasian. So the, the Asian children in the area, hmm. they would learn to stick together. So when they played their fighting games, they were a little clique. And then there was, you know, the rest of us. And the one place we had, uh, God I, God help me, I never knew her name, and I hope she does well. There was a young lady who actually came in, and she had mastered playing Orchid in Killer Instinct. Yeah. And she was she was very good. I mean, she was excellent at the game. She knew all the secrets, all the moves, devastated every player, who, again, male players coming in. She wiped the floor with every last one of them. And it didn't, you know, she was also just by happenstance, she was a very pretty young woman. And she had to eat a lot of shit. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, you know, it was, you know, not only was she very good in showing up the boys, um, it was also, you know, a pretty girl doing this. And eventually, unfortunately, she just stopped coming around. Which I kind of always felt bad about because you know you you go in the arcades long enough on like a Friday night when there's nothing else to do, um, you know you've seen all the movies in town, um, you've bought everything. There's you know Blockbuster Video is next door, so if you're not renting stuff, you're at the arcade, and you get to you get to see the same people after a while. And I'm like, oh crap, I kind of I never got to talk to her. I never really felt the interest, but eventually she stopped showing up. So I'm like, Ugh. on one hand, community was very good, but on the, the other hand. If there were instances where they could run somebody out, they did. Man, so many times I wish that I had just been born a generation earlier. Because yeah. uh, I was born in 91, and man, I wish I was born in like 81. So that I could have experienced a lot of this awesome shit in a more lucid state of my life. Because I think yeah. when I started actually, I guess, gaming as myself, if that makes any sense, was what was around the time of like the GameCube. And it would have been so cool to experience. Well, I guess there's... No arcades in rural Iowa, but it would have been cool to experience a lot of this stuff. Yeah, as, uh, I agree as completely. Me now. I agree yeah. 100%. But uh, then, like I said, there was the one night where I talked about in a recent show. Um, Top Dog had gotten both um, the X-Men arcade game from the, the 90s, which was a massive six-player cabinet on this Ooh. huge widescreen. And right next to it, they had a huge, massive 60-inch screen Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder, which was the arcade sequel to the first Golden Axe. It was oh. not the Genesis sequel. And I ended up playing that, like, they were next to each other, and there was, we accidentally got into a competition one night. We got into an accidental race. It was the, us on Team Golden Axe versus Team X-Men in a full six-player cabinet versus our full four-player cabinet. And we end up getting into a race to see who could beat their game first. Nice. And I ended up being, like I said, we, we came in second, but like just barely, simply because the X-Men cabinet had filled up before I got to Golden Axe. And 
at the end, like, you know, we garnered a huge crowd. People were looking at both. They were cheering us on. They were like, you know, afterward, everyone, you know, congratulations, shaking hands, whatnot. Like I said, that was one of the few times I could say genuinely, despite disparity of anything, gamers got together and there was a real sense of accomplishment and community, which I never saw really again after that night. But if it ex- can do that, then it still exists. Then it's still out there. Yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, even... Even isn't like I've I've gone to a couple beer caves and a couple like adult arcades, but it it doesn't have that feel of what I've I've seen before. It's just like uh, everyone's kind of just doing their own thing and like waiting their turn. Maybe maybe that's me being a not very social person, but it just seems like everyone's just there to hang out with their friends and not talk to other people. I don't know if you guys have experienced the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, usually it's been, but. I don't know. Like I said, I'm an old man, so maybe in the early 90s it was just a bit of a different feel. Oh, for sure. Let's see. We're we're at about 30 minutes. Should we do an ad break before we go on, Mr. Aaron? Let's do it. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, superstars. Are you a coffee addict looking for your next big caffeine fix? Or are you just tired of all the normal boring coffee options out there now? Well, you need to check out Bones Coffee. Bones Coffee is lots of different varieties of coffee flavors. They've got things like red velvet, cookies and cream, s'mores. They've got one that's called Jamaican Me Crazy that's really good. It's like caramel vanilla brown kind of thing. But they also have just your usual, you know, salted caramel and French vanilla and all that stuff. They even have decaf and what's called high voltage, which is just extra strength. And they've also got espresso. They've got all sorts of cool stuff. Plus, if you use coupon code Super Pod Saga at checkout, you'll get 20% off of your order. And again, that's Super Pod Saga at checkout to get 20% off. You can also follow the link in our episode description. And yeah, why not use that one time coupon code? Like I said, 20% off. It's great. Set over to bonescoffee.com. Get yourself some coffee, some you know, cool gear like mugs or French press kits, stuff like that. Check it out. Okay, bye. This episode is brought to you today by our patrons. Uh, first up is the novel console. There, you know Chris. He was on our episode about our favorite remakes, remasters, and reboots. Uh, what was it, episode thirty-seven? Yeah, and he's a cool guy. Their their podcast is all about it's him and his wife. They they go over books, video games, food, all sorts of cool stuff. Just this big smorgasbord of different ideas in one podcast. It's pretty great. And then the second one is Jared. He's a really good friend of mine. Basically brothers. He was on episode twenty-six with me and Nave, and uh, Jared's great. We talk all the time. Thank you, patrons. Yeah, if you become a patron, we'll compliment the heck out of you, too. Hell yeah. And uh, this episode was also brought to you today by uh, ed- Edible marker, edible Permanent Markers. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, they, they're, they're scented as well, too, so they smell great, but boy, when you take, when you take a, a lick of the tip, oh, man. You don't. You don't need to waste your paper towels. You don't need to waste your things to erase them from your boards anymore. Just lick the boards and they come off. There you go. That's right. And I mean, while you shouldn't eat the ink that comes out of these markers, you can. You shouldn't, <laughs> but you can. They come in all kinds of, of cool, awesome flavors like Wild Cherry Pepsi and uh, Tommy. Uh, slime from the 90s. That's a good one. Bill, what's your favorite flavor? Are they- are they test marketing the roast beef flavor now? I think it's out. Oh, it's out, yeah. 
Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. I was going to get the carrot flavor, the roast beef flavor, the mashed potato dinner, make a full meal out of it. Yes. Ooh, you can, that's good. You can draw the food on the board and then lick it. Uh-oh, this just did. There's an adult version. Now they have spiked margarita flavor. It's actually got, you know, real alcohol in it. Get all tipsy off of sucking the ink out of a Sharpie. Uh, 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 let's talk to some of our, let's talk to some of our satisfied customers. Like Tommy. Hey there. I, I really enjoy, why do I do the same accent every time? I'm, I'm up there in Minnesota and I just want to say that these markers have saved me up a, a bunch of ton money on my grocery bill and they taste great too. They're only 75% non-toxic, which is pretty okay. How about you, Phil? What's, what's been your experience with, uh, with Marker Bros flavored markers? Hey, yo, well, uh, I come on down, I go to my favorite pizza shop, uh, what can I do? What can I say? I'm lactose intolerant, so I love eating the uh, ice cream flavored ones. They uh, give me the same taste, same great flavor as butter pecan and mint chocolate chip when I can't shit myself. So there we go. I give them a thumbs up. Perfect. Uh, oh, what's a good name for the... Should we stick with Marker Bros? Marker no. Bros. We'll just make everything a bros. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Marker Bros. Edible Markers. They Thanks. They mark. They, no, they hit, they hit the mark. Oh, yeah. they hit the mark. Nice. In my stomach. Are we back? We're back. We're back. We're back. We're, We're back. back. Um, <laughs> Mamma mia. We've, yes. We're almost there. Here we go again. <laughs> um, we kind of we talked about it a bit in, in this thing, but, but I also I wanted to, to discuss the modern age arcade because boy they are not 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 where they used to be so so what do you do for your arcade habits if you have them if you don't play arcades get, go to arcades more why not phil well um i haven't been in a while cuz i've been obviously they they kind of died out and mostly home pc and home console gaming is really kind of mm-hmm. taken up my space but um we do have here in where i live currently we do have a round 1 which is a kind of combination bowling alley, snack shack, and massive arcade. Um, so you can actually, and I went there once or twice. Um, it's usually good to go in the off areas when the, the kids are out of, are not in school or out of school and they're not going to be there yet because they're sleeping late. But you can go and actually play a lot of games, of modern versions and modern updates of classic arcade games. Mm-hmm. Um I did find out something interesting about them. Speaking of the modern day, the reason round one arcade games are able to function is because they come right from Japan. The importation of arcade games in the United States is pretty much a dead area, except companies that are partnered with like Konami or Capcom or SNK or somebody like that are still in business in Japan. The arcade machines in round one function because every hour they have to ping back to the servers in Japan. Whoa. Oh, man. If they don't, they are programmed to shut down. What the heck? Because apparently we have some kind of uh, trade deal with Japan about arcade machines that means that they have to get their information, their update files, whatnot, from Japan directly. We can't have anyone on site anymore. So... As I found out from a recent underground documentary, there's actually a big market in the United States for like black box work for getting arcade machines imported and then hacking them to be free and not have to ping back to Japan. That's wild. That's 
I had yeah it yeah there's there's a whole thing going on where like you can if you can find somebody who's underground knows how to make the like the the server boards not linked to the internet and can just be its own machine you can now you can't open up your own arcade because then you know we're talking legality issue and now we're talking like you know federal trade but if you own your own machine imported directly and you can hack it you can get it to run because usually the games all the information is already there on the machine mm -hmm. it's just got a kill switch that if it doesn't go back to japan it shuts off but if you can essentially mod it so that kill switch is inactive you have a whole arcade machine with modern games you've done it that's wild. that's fucking insane i had no idea i holy shit i feel like i'll never stop learning things about arcades <laughs> like there's always something different there's something new so yeah man um, why do uh why do you think arcades are still so popular in japan oh, i guess maybe it's just because they're always out and about but like it's it's crazy how they're still maybe not as popular as they used to be in japan but they're still pretty popular over there the idea i get is that it's kind of part of the culture it's mm -hmm. still like you know people tend to think that a lot of stuff and this is this is me you know, sort of secondhand experience. I know a lot of people, especially people in our community, have been to, uh, have lived in Japan or in Asia and, and probably know this information a little better. I haven't gotten to visit, unfortunately. But the idea I get is that it is still like a lot of things. It's still a very nerdy hobby mm. in, in Japan. But they're used to it. It's a generational thing where if someone gets too old and doesn't play video games anymore, cause it's, you know, you're supposed to mature out of this quote unquote, <laughs> wonder when that's going to happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's always a new generation coming up. That's, you know, going to come in and play. Whereas here in the, whereas here in the States, I think it literally just sort of, it just sort of fell off. It died. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, would it would it be safe to say that the the home consoles kind of did that because the nerds like you said there's just in japan a new generation of nerds that wanted arcades but i feel like our generation of nerds was like i want the xbox and the playstation yeah probably because like there's a lot of the uh pretty pretty much any arcade game you can get on some kind of compilation or on its own at home now and even like saying like the the Probably well, yeah. Late eighties, early nineties is when they they probably started porting a lot of arcade games over. But nowadays, like nowadays, you can get like anything at any time, unless it's maybe Japan exclusive or it's one that they just haven't ported over to anything that's just kind of obscure. But yeah, all the mm -hmm. big ones you can get at home, you know, any time without having to leave like your couch or put down your bag of potato chips or something and you know, go to the arcade. I was. Oh I was, yeah, definitely. I was actually going to ask: Are there any arcade games that? that you boys enjoy playing at home on your home video game console machines. Oh, that's, um, you go, I feel. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, my tastes have changed a yes. lot. Um, mostly my stuff is single player, uh, games, single, single player experiences. A lot of RPGs still, uh, be they, you know, uh, Japanese or Western, um, a lot of survival horror titles, so a lot of those tend to be singular experiences. However, occasionally, um, with the new wave of beat-em-ups like the you know, Shredder's mm -hmm. Revenge or Streets of Rage 4, um, you can finally get a little bit of that cross-play experience. But the thing is, you have to be able to have people you know who actually play the game. Yes, you can jump online with randos, but um, it, again, you're going to get the experience you think you're going to get with randos. It's just mostly going to be 
you know, either not following or not team based or yelling and screaming or God only knows what else you're going to get. Um, I know that I've you know been out of the fighting game community for a long, long time, but I know a lot of the new fighting games that come out, they're always excited because is it going to have cross play? Is it going to be able to play between, you know, PC, PlayStation, Xbox, um, you know, or what other fighting game is there going to be? Like, who, who are going to be the new contenders? We're now getting Street Fighter Sixes on the way. Yep. We know there's going to be a new Mortal Kombat. King of Fighters always comes up still, and people are just like, oh, man, we got to have this. And then there's other games they want, like they want a new Killer Instinct, they want all kind of crazy shit. But it's easier to do that at home. But at that point, it just it stops being a community thing. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, Street Fighter Six is is... I've never played many fighting games at all, but like there's something about Street Fighter Six and the way it looks that makes me want to jump in to the the, the arcade style fighting scene finally. And I tried uh Street Fighter Two was they made it available through some some gosh, I don't know what it was, but it was available for free, so I picked it up and uh tried it out and i was like whoa there are a lot of buttons to do punches and kicks here i mm-hmm. I, I did not have any of that baseline information or any of that baseline technique or, or knowledge or anything and it was it was wild to me i was like how do i even this is gonna take up so much of my time to even begin to understand what to do yeah well back in the days when those were out um when you would come up to the arcade machine they had to be a little bit larger than what you were used to because like early stuff like Galaga and Centipede and Pac-Man, you had like the control stick and two buttons. Yep. Well, the problem is Street Fighter 2 comes along and there are three buttons for punch, three buttons for kicks yeah. and the control sticks. So now we're having to expand this. Mortal Kombat comes up with five. It has high and low kick, high and low punch and a dedicated block button. A lot of other games kind of move that down and around you know, to incorporate special moves and all this crazy stuff. So after a while, you're watching guys who are really kind of almost like a, a classical pianist are trying yeah. to move their hand movements to cover as many buttons as they can, like there would be keys on a piano. When they came home, really had to have them on Super Nintendo or higher because you had, you know, the initial uh, four-point directional pad movement to move you around and block and duck, and you had to execute everything else on the remainder of the buttons, including the shoulder buttons. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gotten any different in the modern iterations. By the way, Tommy, yeah, how dare you try to get into fighting games and not try Killer Instinct, you fiend. It's, it's on Game Pass. Yeah, that's on the Game Pass. It's because fighting games are scary to me. They're, it's, it's so much to learn. It was um, it was Smash Bros that finally made it click in my brain where I was like, oh, each character is unique with a unique skill set that you have to learn and become good at. Yeah, and that's the thing. I hate to tell you guys, if you're jumping into it now, there's been 20, maybe 30 years now of lore and skill and ability. It's almost impossible to get in if you weren't brought if you weren't grandfathered in from an earlier gaming era. Yep. It is, and they and the communities don't make it easy to come in. They really kind of don't, which is one of the things that kind of like makes me a little sad, because I'm like, guys, even if it's not me jumping in, there are people that are interested, but you're kind of freezing them out. Well, Street Fighter Six. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought that I saw that it was going to have like a more beginner-friendly control scheme that was, in a way, similar to Smash, and 
I, I'm not involved in those communities, but just from like the basic sentiment I saw, people were upset about that, <laughs> very unhappy. And I yeah. was like, dang, that's really appealing to me. That's what I would need to be able to get into it, at least to yeah, start. And smart, yeah, no, it's a smart move on Capcom's part because they know, like I said, um, normally like people my age have phased out of gaming entirely. So they're not trained. They're not looking for me. They're looking for younger guys. They're looking for you guys who are younger. And if this is your first fighting game, why wouldn't they want to give you, like, here's a training mode. Yeah. Here's what we're looking for. Okay, if you get in the game, you get your ass kicked a few times. Eventually, you'll learn something. You'll either play for fun or you'll become get more involved and want to learn more. Um, Mortal Kombat, I think at this point, is... I don't even know if it's like about competition more just like how does my favorite character kill people this time? <laughs> Got to see those sweet fatalities. Um, exactly. Now, I'm going to say a little bit of heresy here. Um, but I was always an I always liked SNK games the best. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron's on board. So <laughs> so like your your Fatal Fury, King of the Fighters, and my favorite of all kind of fighting games, Samurai Showdown. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the one game out of all this plethora of of fighting games that f said, "Oh wait, I actually want to learn the character moves. I actually want to get good at this game." Of course, nobody ever goddamn played it because it, you know <laughs> Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter had had way overshadowed everything, and then soon followed by your your Soul Edge and Soul Calibur and Tekken's, um, which is how like all of my favorite fighting games were the ignored ones. But Samurai Showdown is, or yeah, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you finish since you brought it up. No, there. you're you're good. I mean, Samurai Showdown is, I mean, to me that was the shit because it was an actual, there was an actual story, like an honest to god, you can follow it based on historical events and a lot of fantasy involved. It, instead of using fists, you had special moves, but they were all sword based. It was, it came out just really before Soul Calibur, which of course is weapon based, but this one was sword-based. And if you lost your weapon, yeah, you could throw a punch or a kick, but you were greatly reduced in power. And a lot like Bushido Blade, there were times where if they hit you the right time, you didn't matter how much health you had, you were going down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, too, was, like, if you got, like, real, if you had good enough with a character, you could essentially just one-shot somebody, because there was a... Really? There was a, a video I watched maybe like a couple of years ago that, that got me into Samurai Showdown about how um, it's basically a, when you get somebody down to like a certain percentage of their health, if you did like one specific combo and if, um, regardless of if they were blocking or not, yeah, you could just break their block and like kill them in, in one hit. And I mean, I guess not necessarily one hit because they would be down to like a certain percentage of their health after so many hits. Mm -hmm. but, um, and yeah, it's just so, that, that game I feel like has how do I explain it? It's got, I guess it's got like a little bit of a higher skill ceiling because yeah, you, you, uh, you know, if your weapon breaks, yeah, you're, you're super screwed. You can't block, you can't do as much damage as the opponent can. And then you also have to, like you, you can sidestep attacks or whatever at a certain point. It's just, it, it just has like, I feel like it has a lot higher stakes than most other fighting games do. And mm -hmm. yeah, somewhere I showdown just rules. It, it's so good, especially, and uh, I mean, no, you finish up. I was just going to say, especially uh, Samurai Showdown 2. Yeah, that's my second favorite in the fighting genres, too. And that's it's because they'd also kind of built it to be a little bit more cinematic as an actual Kurosawa film. So you could actually, like, 
much like a Kurosawa film, or uh, for those of you who haven't played it, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, mm. where you get the ability to you know call somebody out and do a one-strike kill. Samurai Showdown kind of already had that mechanic built in or baked in to be a little bit more cinematic, where, as you said, you get to that certain point and you can drop somebody in one hit, much like you would in a samurai film. Yeah, yeah, and it's... And, uh... I guess not to throw us off the fight whole uh, Samurai Showdown thing, but I brought up uh, Killer Instinct because it's, rather than it being, you know, about timing certain punches and kick it and kicks together and stuff like that, uh, Killer Instinct is cool because it's like you start off with a combo uh, combo beginner or like combo starter, I forget what the fuck it's called, but you do your combo starter, which is usually like, you know, uh, full circle punch or something like that. And then, you know, you'll do an attack and then you tap like, you know, your X button three times to do a combo linker or you can do a four times or something. But of course, the more attacks you get in, the more the more chances your opponent has of doing a combo breaker, which is when they just break your combo and if you, they start to beat your ass and stuff. And then mm-hmm. they do a combo finisher. And yeah, it really simplifies combos, but in a, in a, in a yeah. really still fun and an awesome way. And I think that was Killer Instinct's big thing is that unlike a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat, and let's be honest, Mortal Kombat, we go there to see the, the gore spectacle. Oh, it's yeah. not like the the actions were smooth because they were having digitized actors, that they were still frame photoing, photoing together. Um, or Capcom, and let's be honest, for a long time, Capcom has ruled the scene. They did wonderful 2D or 2.5 pixel art, and those, everything is incredibly smooth, even with their sort of 3D movements now, where you could have just this multitude of combos that you could throw in. But Killer Instinct really had that. It simplified combos, as you said. Start it, keep going. If your opponent gets a chance, they can reverse it on you and just go ahead and beat your ass. And especially the newest one is so fun because uh, it's got that single-player roguelike mode and it just has like just a bunch of, of cool kind of card mechanics, kind of like gotcha mechanics and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, one, of, one of my favorite, I guess, games I never got to play in, in arcade, but game arcade games that I guess I love to play See, like on my Switch, uh, anything that's in the Strikers 1945 series, uh, vertical scrolling shmup, and it's basically like, I don't know if it's like World War II era planes and shit like that, but like uh, the bosses are super sweet because they'll start off as like a submarine or like a naval, uh, what do you call like the little like the ships that jets and shit land on? I forgot carrier. What a carrier? Carrier. Yeah, yeah so carriers. The startup is just like normal, normal shit like that. But then they'll transform into like these two-stage giant robots that have like fifteen gun arms and like a big cannon in their chest, and just like World War II. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... Yeah, you and don't had... remember that? But Battle of Midway was all mechs. <laughs> yeah, they had that one that had like it was like four legs, and each leg was like a machine gun slash shotgun, and <laughs> shmups are like yeah, they're they're intimidating as fuck. But once you learn one, and like kind of learn. Um, I guess like how you're playing maneuver, how you're playing your character maneuvers, and you learn like boss, not necessarily patterns because bullets are going all over the place. Once you learn, basically just learn the game. It's they can be really really fun. And, and Strikers 1945, one, two, and three, they're they're all they're all. Oh awesome. yeah, the, the nineteen the nineteen forty series of of like the shmup where it was you know, 42, 43, 45, where again you're essentially refighting the battle of Midway over and over, which I find interesting that Japanese companies would want to replay that. But <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> exactly. It's it was again from a it was a brief but brilliant point in the arcade era, 
which unfortunately didn't translate very well to the home console. They tried to, they brought them over, but I just don't think people got the idea. And that's all it was, is that you just get continuous um, and Xevious, and there's a few others out there. And all it is is you just collect power-ups and you just get crazier and crazier bullets going everywhere. Um, your opponents can too. And once you got to those bosses, it was just a nightmare of energy blips all over the place that could kill you in one shot. But at that point, you're pumping out, if you collect all the power-ups, you're pumping out so much shit in return. Um, there's really, you're untouchable. That's why they're so fucking fun too. And then you have like those big screen clearing bomb attacks where it'll be like, uh, like some other bigger, bigger plane will come carpet bomb the whole screen and you'll be invincible for a couple seconds or you'll do a sweet loop de loop or something. But yeah, shmups right. or arcade shmups rule. With now. No, no, continue. No, no, you go on, Phil. I was going to, if, if you've got a continuation, I... do it. Yeah, I, I do not want to leave our discussion of the arcades without discussing the beat-em-up. Yes. yes, please do. All right. Um, let me tell you, a little guys, a little story here. Recently, I put out an episode on Final Fight. Now, um, the grandfather of the beat-em-up is, without question, and I forget the gentleman's name. I just watched a video on him yesterday, and I... God, I can't think of his name. But it's the the man who basically invented Double Dragon. Hmm. Now, he had, a, he had another fighting game before him that was based around um, Japan's, you know, uh, school hoodlum youth culture that kind of led into things like River City Ransom and whatnot. It was, it, we got the game here as Renegade, but it was a different name in Japan. I forget it. Um, your listeners probably out there can correct me. But that did pretty well, but they wanted something with a more American appeal, so they invented Double Dragon. And Double Dragon is known to be the first true two-player, go out, beat up guys, eventually get the girl back. As that was coming out, I think Double Dragon was like 87 or 88. As that was coming out, um, the original Street Fighter had been made. And if you never got to play it, I played it once. It's terrible. <laughs> it is absolutely, you're playing Ryu and the ultimate, the final boss is Sagat, but it's basically you just playing a really nice version of that old NES game Kung Fu, where it's like you have a punch button, a kick button, a block button, and you don't die. Well, Capcom was in the process of developing a sequel to Street Fighter already in 89, and they were going to call it Street Fighter 89. Now, the thing is, it was originally going to be a beat em up. But then they saw something else came to them and like, no, nah, um, we got to go a different direction. So they split up the thing into the two different divisions, the beat em up division and the fighting, like the versus fire division. And the original idea went to the beat em up division and became Final Fight, which is why in the later Street Fighter years or Marvel versus Capcom years, you see guys like, you see Guy, you see Cody, and you see Hagar all being playable characters in later Street Fighter games, because they were originally going to be the Street Fighter sequel. But Capcom took that and made it Final Fight in 89. And Final Fight set the standard more than Double Dragon for the beat-em-up, even though it took inspiration from it. You have two guys, multiple players, but two players. You just go through and you wreck the city. You, you know, all kinds of punches, kicks flying jump kicks, body slams, the whole deal. You hit the you know buttons together and you get a super attack that drains a little bit of your life. That was my biggest introduction into beat-em-ups. 
In fact, I even told a story when I did it about like one time on vacation, my dad and I just played through the whole thing um, very unexpectedly. I didn't figure he was going to want to do this, but somehow he got invested in playing Hagar and I was Cody and we went through and we beat the game. Now, from there, that was 89. By 90 and 91, the beat-em-up had hit its stride. It either had original ideas like Golden Axe, um, or they had licensed properties, which you guys are going to recognize. I'm sure your listeners will recognize, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. or the Simpsons, yeah. or the X-Men. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's all they were, is that you got a chance to be like four-player cabinets. You got together with your friends, and you just picked your favorite character, and you thrashed the enemy. Every boss, every stage had a boss, and eventually there was an end to the game. You could play through or not. Um, you had super attacks. You had all kinds of stuff like that. Now, some of them got more complicated depending on who you were. There was a number of Marvel games, so the Avengers had a beat-em-up. Uh, the Punisher, Nick Fury, was a beat-em-up. These were before the X-Men. Spider-Man had a beat-em-up where it was like him, Black Cat, um, Namor, and the fourth person I can never remember. But like really like, you know, Spider-Man, a couple of B-tier Marvel heroes. Um, and the Avengers, I think, were like Captain America, Vision, Iron Man, and um, Quicksilver, which is weird because... He was he played both an Avenger and he was an enemy of the X-Men for a while. It was very strange. Um, but, you know, this was peak. Everything was coming out, like uh, Combat Tribes and, um, oh God, everything had a, there was a beat-em-up, I swear to God, for just about everything. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, and they went for not only modern day, they went far future, they went licensed properties, they went uh, medieval, they went to things like the Arabian Nights setting, all this kind of crazy stuff, everything had a beat-em-up, and they were popular because it was easy. Plunk in a couple quarters, you get a life bar, you pick up food along the way, you have a super attack, and you just go. Some of my favorites from the day, obviously, the Ninja Turtles, yep. um, X-Men. I did enjoy the Simpsons game where you actually got to play you know, the Simpsons family. So Homer, Marge, Bart, and Lisa trying to get Maggie back. Um, that was a fun game. And eventually the beat-em-ups started to come home. Mm -hmm. So one of the all-time biggest selling games, of course, for the Super Nintendo was Final Fight when it got ported. Later, Turtles in Time, which is still, I believe they say it has been found to be, it is the all-time best-selling beat-em-up for the SNES. And on the Genesis, they got the Streets of Rage series. Now, I come, came in on Streets of Rage 2. And the thing that blew me away with that one was the sheer amount of special moves and combat moves you could pull off with that character. It wasn't just, and no matter which character you had, it wasn't just walk up, punch them, kick them, they fall over. It was punch them, uppercut them, uh, magic spell move, jump kick, high kick, low kick, throws. Uh, depending on where you were, if you're facing them, you could headbutt and punch them in the face. If you're behind them, you could pick them up and suplex them. It was just a wild game for only two players. Now, of course, we're up to, you know, some modern iterations, and now you have full LAN and six-player, you know, online connectivity, and it's just wild that they're they're having a resurgence and coming back after decades of being dead because their best days were in the arcades. It just, they got beaten out by the versus fighter after a while. But, like I said, did any, did either of you get to play any 
of these beat-em-ups at any point. Yes. I, I played all oh, yeah. the way through The Simpsons accidentally one time. I, it was at a place where you just hit a button on the machine and it would put more credits in. You pay, like, up front. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just, you know, power through it. But I was very surprised at how short it was. Like, you can easily, easily beat it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most beat-em-ups were not really that long. Most of them were between maybe six and ten stages. Yeah. And if you can get past the enemies and the traps and you had enough friends with you, you could easily run through a game in like a half hour to 40 minutes. For sure. Which which uh, doesn't really translate to like the, the modern gamer's mindset, I guess. That's a, that's the thing where people would be furious, I feel like, if you introduced a new game and it was you could beat it in an hour. But arcades are different times, different experiences. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I think about arcades is that it's just a different mentality. You yes. knew potentially if you were good... You could beat the machine inside half an hour to 40 minutes with a handful of quarters and then move on. If you know, spend an hour on it, go to something else. And if you didn't fare well, well, then the hell with it. Just go to a different machine. Now, people, like you said, they get annoyed if it is less than a certain amount of prescribed time. I mean, I don't know how to explain to people the joy of just having an 8 to 10 hour game experience that's got a lot going for it rather than dragging something out for 60 excuse me, 60, 70, 100 hours. That's that's 100% I just, where I am as a gamer. I would much rather have yeah. an excellent short experience. Mm-hmm. As I've said before on other shows um, and my own, I don't have enough time left on this earth yes. to spend on a 100-hour game. I don't care how good it is. There's going to come a point where, look, I've, I have to do other things and move on with my life. If we can shorten it down a bit, and give me like a really excellent stellar experience inside maybe 10, 15 hours, well, then that's where my money goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to have a resurgence of the arcade days and they play well, well, then of course I'm going to go to that. So do you guys oh, yeah. think, do you guys think there is a possibility for a future for arcades? They're kind of very niche right now. There's only a handful of them. Is it something that can come back to like be the size of the '80s and '90s, or is this just how it's going to be now? That's that's tough to say because I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, I feel like maybe they could. No, man. I guess with with how after especially after COVID, with how mm. I guess secluded yeah. people tend to be, you know, have everything delivered, have you know people come to you as opposed to you coming other places, like. I guess maybe like there's there's still some people out there that might want to you know go hang out at the arcade because Dave and Buster's and shit like that those are still pretty popping aren't they or yeah are they, are for they sure or at least the one that I've been to <laughs> the singular Dave and Buster <laughs> yeah. uh, it's I mean will it ever achieve the fame it had in the eighties and nineties where it was part of society it was in movies it's thing you did on Friday or Saturday night I don't know. Everything is cyclical. Hmm. You know, I assume at some point, maybe could be happening right now. There could be an underground. It could be 10 years from now. It could be 20 years from now. It might come back around. It might be generations going. It's like having, you know, generations born around 2000 going, hey, I'm suddenly nostalgic, nostalgic for the 80s. I'm like, kid, you weren't there. <laughs> um, you may love the fashion, but you're not going to love Reaganomics. You're not going to enjoy that Cold War. I hate to tell you. 
but it could be there could be a nostalgia surge we could get people that are like no i want to re-experience the 80s and 90s of the arcades but like you said covid did such a bad number on us all as a, mm -hmm. as a as a society and as a species that everyone got very secluded i don't know if we're going to get to see that that camaraderie that community that the arcade scene used to have where you got to got to know uh people even if by sight you got to you know at least kind of you know nod your hat at them say hey what's up you know how you doing this week everything all right um go on with you know play your game together it's and a lot of it, that may also be a generational thing too that may just be the newer generations may just be used to being solitary and people like you said people come to them not you go out and meet um i don't know that's really hard to say i wonder if it would be possible for like if if in if someone was willing to make like a game or experience that you could only have at the arcades like a new arcade experience that would set the world on fire if that would be something that could happen but who's going to do that who's going to actually attempt that and make it happen because that was a thing too was arcades were like the only place where you could experience those kinds of games and now basically everything's mm -hmm. on home consoles now yeah it's i mean like... okay oh go ahead as a, occasionally you got really experimental games um there was one that was it was essentially it, it was projecting a pre-recorded movie on it was a light gun game and you would just you played a western and you would just go you know how did it grim and you actually see some like a 3d projection on a small screen and you had to hit your light gun but it was experimental or things like a you know talking about a shooter i mean back in the day you had the peripheral light guns like a house of the dead or time crisis or um the hell was that one that was you played two cops and you shot criminals it was like a ho like a hogan's alley but more of a house of the dead style um i'll think of the name probably later again somebody will probably correct me um but those were experimental and then that moved to like jurassic park where you had to sit inside a vehicle and use a light gun at the same time and like, ooh, we got to do multiple things now. Um, but again, all of those had big money. That's all the same players. Capcom, Midway, Acclaim, Activision, Konami, back when they actually published games. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. It would really take somebody probably coming out of the middle of nowhere with this amazing experience going, just drop it on us and go, all right, motherfuckers, enjoy. Yeah. That's it, like, maybe if I... Uh... If there are more pinball than anything, because yeah, I mean, I, I guess there are like pinball video games that you can buy, but like it just doesn't do the same thing as an actual you know pinball machine. Yeah, I like like gun games too. I feel like because not everybody, because I don't know if if you knew this, Tommy, but light gun games don't work on normal TVs. They um they kind of I guess transitioned out when we started using CRTs. But yeah, not everybody has an old CRT they could use. So maybe mm -hmm. if they did like more more sweet light gun games that would be like maybe do it that way like light gun games uh pinball machines and i guess like like the one-off maybe like more of those trackball games i don't know i, I guess that, more, that'd probably be way too niche more golden tea for, yeah <laughs> <Bring> <laughs> like golden tea. rows and rows and rows of bowling games <laughs> we figured it out Some, somehow ski ball comes back around in a big way society realigns itself <laughs> everyone's it's got machines everywhere but everyone's in line for skee-ball <laughs> there's, 
there's people clamoring like to get those to those machines where you drop in a coin and those little arms push more coins out. It's like we oh what? We need more. It's more. Instead of <laughs> esports, coins. instead of esports, it's going to be a stadium, and it's just going to be one ski ball thing right in the middle. <laughs> oh, you know what you could do? You, you ever see like those um, like those things they have at some therapist's office where it's just basically a giant like PVC pipe that's covered in layers and layers of foam? Oh my god! Yep. And just like have this big octagon where you and like just you like whack people over the head with one of those, and like on screen your characters are. You know, Slogar the Mad versus like uh, Kitara, whatever, um, beating each other up digitally while the two of you in the ring are bopping the shit out of each other. <laughs> I have a question for you now because you just unlocked a memory. <laughs> it's not related to anything else. In our in our small school, I remember when the military would come every once in a while and and set up all these things like American Gladiator style things. Oh my fucking god! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you did they do that for you too, Phil, or was that like a weird Midwest thing? No, occasionally we got that in Pennsylvania. It was, um, the you know, it was it was the military, and they would come up. It looked like the the double ended staff from the the one yeah. fucking American Gladiators, yeah. and apparently it has some purpose in military training. But I've never served, so I don't know what the purpose is exactly. Is at what point is your enemy at this point going to come up to you with like a, a big <laughs> stick? And we know what knives are. We know what fully automatic weapons are. It's like, defend against that, for God's sake. I thought that's what they were training you for. <laughs> what a weird you get thing. Captured that... and stuck. <laughs> Go on, Tommy. Oh, I was just going to say, it's such a weird thing to say. Yeah, the military would show up sometimes to our school and we'd do cool stuff. Like, you get captured and by the enemy team, or not the enemy team, goddamn. You get <laughs> captured by the enemy and you're stuck in this, like, POW camp and you're forced to take place and, like, gladiatorial combat to get like food and other other things yeah. so that you can survive until <laughs> until the u.s military comes to get you or something that's all it's god this there should be a the movie. scar the scars of vietnam just like really have not gone away holy shit <laughs> <laughs> that that's like i think we're setting up the plot for rambo 7 at this point <laughs> holy shit slides oh, in the this... old folk home Trying to scoot his way out, he sees the he sees his nurse, and she might be Vietnamese, and he's like, "Oh!" Has a bad flashback. He's trying to scoot out with the dinner fork. <laughs> this this sounds like like nineteen forties Tron. I think it's nineteen forties Tron. Nineteen forties <laughs> Tron. Yeah, Tommy, please don't please don't tell me you don't know Tron. Oh yeah, I know Tron. I've never seen it, but I okay. know what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, that's arcades <laughs> did um <laughs> i i had a list of things to talk about and i think we talked about all of them is does anyone have other any other last things they want to say about arcades that i might have missed that's it for me don't go to chuck e cheese because oh yeah like all those kids running around give me the fucking vapors dude i just i want to trip every <laughs> single one of them and i oh people's kids are so rude they dude suck. like they'll just walk up to you and yeah, yeah. Those walk up to you and like take whatever the fuck you have. Maybe it's just again, maybe it's just a Midwest thing. But other people's kids no. Suck. Don't. Go I, I had I had like I had a couple of kids like even students in mind like mystery got five dollars. You got out of your mind? No, Wait, get what? the hell out of here. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, no. What are you? Are you? You're in the middle of school. Are you actually begging? But no. And if you were one of those kids in Chuck E. Cheese that was rude and has now grown up, keep in mind you caused your parents a lot of grief. Yeah. Ooh. Oh man, that's... it's not like Chuck E. Cheese's. Chuck E. Cheese has been around since like the seventies. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's been a few generations that have grown up in Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, seriously. 
just phase them out already. God damn it. I'm so tired. Not to keep bringing up Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, it's an episode. It's an arcade episode. So whatever. Yeah, this- but. Strangely enough, Chuck E. Cheese is where I saw the first arcade light gun shooter, and um, I can never remember the name of this. I've seen a few YouTube videos on it, but basically all it is is that you're kind of like you're there with a rifle inside of a house of horrors, and you've got to shoot like the monsters and try not to shoot like the the humans that are uh, trapped, but you could blow pieces off them and kill the people you were there to save, and like there's blood and guts everywhere. Um, it was actually, strangely enough, it was in a Chuck E. Cheese that I first played that. Um, st- they did try to port that one to the NES, and it came out looking like an Atari game. Oof. But it was it was crazy. Uh, I, again, I'm old. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, you can look it up. People on YouTube have videos about it. You, you just reminded me of, of an experience I had like a couple of years ago at the local bowling alley. How did I forget about this? It was... It was billed as like a 4D light gun ride that you did with your friends. It was like two. It was like in like a almost a small theater with a big screen. It was like two rows of of almost uh, roller coaster seats that you had to buckle into, and then it would you would pick what you wanted to do. We picked like a zombie thing, and it was like a ride. Like you were cool. you were going over, and everyone was shooting, and it kept track of everyone's score at the end. The seats would move around depending on what was happening. That was neat. That sounds yeah. really cool, actually. Yeah, that was fun, man. How oh. did I forget about that? What the fuck was I going to say about Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, I don't know. Oh man. Oh no. I don't know. I'm just. I'm glad that Tristan is ten now. Oh no, fuck. Cause Silas is. Yeah, you got Silas almost two. Damn it! I thought we were done got, with Chuck E. Cheese. Now you got to take him to the ball pit. <laughs> uh, they don't even have the ball pits anymore. Oh, thank God, because it was yeah. like rent a foot disease there, or yeah. something else. <laughs> <laughs> the Rona and the what was that? What yeah. was the other one? The not the Zika virus. There's that other one. Ebola. There we go. Ebola. Ebola yeah. I love that you're trying to think of a yeah. specific disease because there's been so many bird many. flu, swine flu, flu, <laughs> regular flu, flu. flu. <laughs> Do you say Which... regular flu? Regular. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you said? That, Tommy? that goddamn no, car flu. Regular flu. <laughs> <laughs> the infection that I get every time I get in a Kia. <laughs> Oh shit! That's the worst. I hate that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um. This this was our arcade episode. Oh. <laughs> I'm you... still fucked up over the Kia rash or <laughs> Kia flu or whatever. If you are suffering from Kia flu, <laughs> right? Reach out to your doctor. Yeah. <laughs> They'll prescribe you something. I'm sure. Oh man. Yeah. Um. Is your starter busted? You got Kia flu. You got Kia flu. Um. If uh, if people want to yell at us about their favorite arcade memories, where can they do that, Aaron? They can head right on over to Super Pod Saga, and, and actually, yeah, you can just send us uh, a message right from the website. Just send us an email, and then we'll respond to it. Unless you're, we get a lot of emails from the website from like podcast promoter people or people trying to sell us like, hey, I'm a professional graphic designer. Like, no, yeah, bro, I don't need anything that. graphically designed. Yeah, don't. But. I... Sorry. I, whenever we get an email, I get excited. I'm like, is it a fan? And then it's not. It's always some guy that's like, I can draw things for you. See, this so is what happens. You guys blew up on Twitter, and now all the fucking, yep. you know, uh, hangers on are coming for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, suffering from we success. Have super po- 
Yes. Superpodsaga.com. All of our stuff is there. Episodes, social medias. You can consider becoming a patron. I'll, I'll send you a cool video on TikTok of, of Silas, uh, my little one-year-old going crazy. If you just <laughs> just interact with us. I don't know. I don't use TikTok, but that's it. <laughs> Superpodsaga. Phil, Phil, where can people find your podcast and, and stuff? Okay, Deleted Saves is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much everywhere. Better podcasts are sold. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying they're <laughs> there. Um, anyway, like I said, you can also connect with me on Twitter at, at Deleted Saves. I'm on Instagram at Deleted underscore Saves underscore Podcast. Uh, if you, again, would like to throw a dollar my way, as simple as much as a dollar helps keep the show going. You don't have to. I'm still going to produce it. But if you feel like it, you can go to Deleted Saves uh, Podcast on Patreon. And like I said, I'm not in, I don't have my own Discord, but I'm in everyone else's at this point, or just about everyone else's. You can come by and yell at me if you like, as I'm sure I got something wrong that you're going to be mad about, and I'm sure I don't give a shit. <laughs> but you can come on and give it a try. And that's where I can be found. Yay. Awesome. Aaron, Aaron, what are we talking about next, next step, next time? We should talk about our favorite video game protagonist. No, no, antagonist, sorry. Antagonist. Favorite video game antagonist. Bad yes. guys, evil people, ne'er-do-wells. Yes. <laughs> okay, look forward to that, fans. Uh, thank you, Phil, again for being here. You were wonderful. Thank it's you, I awesome. appreciate being on. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Say bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.